Well, if you were here last week, Brent kind of kicked off the new year with a, a, a sermon uh, on abiding in Christ. He looked at John chapter 15 um, and talked a little bit about what does it look like to abide in Jesus and to produce fruit for his glory. And I, I kind of left from that encouraged going, hey, honestly, there's a little more in there that I would love to parse out a little more that I would love for us to dig into as we talk about what does it mean to be people that abide in Jesus and produce fruit with our life. And so there's a lot to look at this morning. I want you to turn to John chapter 15. We're going to jump right into scripture this morning. This is the same scripture that Brent began with last week. I want us to continue to pick up with this same area. So John chapter 15, starting in verse 1, here's what Jesus says as he's speaking to his disciples. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus begins this little section. He says, hey, listen, I, I want to tell you what it looks like to be grafted into who I am. I am this vine of living truth, of hope, of joy, of peace, where life is found. And you as a branch, if you will abide in me, what will, what will happen is you will begin to cause fruit to be produced in your life through the power of the Spirit that lives in you. But he also tells us, hey, listen, if you're not grafted into this vine, you're going to be like a branch that's literally withering up and dying, unable to produce any fruit. And he continues on in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So we have this principle of abiding in a way that it produces fruit in our life. And instantly, as I'm thinking about this scripture, it takes me back to a time when I was about 24 years old. I'd already been in ministry for about five or six years, and I had a really good friend that was older, wiser, really successful in the ministry that he was doing, and he decided, man, I'm going to go plant a church, and I want to plant an Acts 29 church. We're an Acts 29 church at Wellspring. All that is is kind of a cross-denominational network of churches globally. There's about 700 of us that come together and we go, hey, on these theological distinctives, we all agree, but our purpose, our mission is that we want to be a church plant that eventually plants as more churches, plants as more churches, plants more churches all over the world for the glory of God. That's, that's what it was. And so as a 24-year-old, I was always already following this network, kind of cared what they thought about things. And he goes, he's like, man, I'm going to go to this two-day assessment, me, me and my wife, and they drill you. It's, it's known as one of the most rigorous assessments in the country for church planners because they will just go through everything from like your finances to your history to your marriage to like all the stuff you don't want people to know about. I mean, it's intensive. And he goes, man, I'm going to go do that. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So he goes, goes through the, uh, the assessment. They get to the end of the assessment and they tell him, hey, look, man. 
You, you may be ready to plant a church, but you're not ready to plant an Acts 29 church. And here's the reason. Because you don't understand the gospel. And man, that news hit me. And, and instantly I was like, if he doesn't understand the gospel, I probably don't understand the gospel. And back then as a 24-year-old, I remember specifically, that thought hit my mind. And here's what I said to myself. I was like, dude, if there is one more thing that I'm not getting correct, if there's one more thing that I'm not getting right, and there's one more thing that I've got to do to make God happy with me, like I can't bear that weight anymore. It felt too heavy. It felt too burdensome to like one more thing that I'm not doing correct as a Christian. Like when am I ever going to get this right? And I don't know if you sit in this room this morning and maybe you have some of those feelings. Maybe you've been trying to pursue Jesus and you kind of have this weight on your shoulder going, I don't ever get this right completely. Like, I know there's all these things I've got to do, and it just feels heavy and weighty and burdensome yet. And Jesus comes to us, and he says, what? Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus is going, hey, as you encounter me in the gospel, it will actually take weight away from you. And yet here I was as a Christian, a minister, going, if there's one more thing, I can't carry the weight anymore. And what's amazing to me is what I realized is that I didn't understand the gospel, and that was why I was carrying such a burden. That's why I was carrying so much weight with me. Here's what I've realized in my walk with Jesus. What that began to spur in me was a, a realization that I need to figure out what this thing really means. And if, if he's missing it, I'm missing it. So what are we missing? And here's what I came to, and it's very simple. Um, when you think about it in this regard, if you, if you would claim to be a Christian in this room, you are either working from an identity in Christ or you're working for an identity in Christ. And the two are very different. You're either working for an identity in Christ or you're working from an identity in Christ. See, what, what Acts 29 meant when you go, well, what are they talking about the gospel? Isn't that just like Jesus came, he lived, he died, he resurrected, and if you believe in him, confess him as Lord and Savior, you'll be saved? Yes. That's like the 30,000-foot view of the good news, the message of the gospel. But what they were trying to say is when you get boots on the ground, and you're in the, in the weeds, how does that affect everything about you? And what they were really trying to point to was you don't understand identity. You don't understand that what Jesus accomplished up here at 30,000 foot view has actually changed everything about you and I down here. And so what I needed to begin to go is, okay, what does it mean then if I'm trying right now work for identity? What does that mean? Well, what it looked like for me was I was trying to do everything that the Bible said, right? I wanted to be a good Christian and go to church and serve and give and try to do all the right things so that I would make God happy with me. And when I failed at that, I felt like he wasn't happy with me, right? He was angry, upset. I'd failed him again. Here I was. And it was weighty and it was burdensome. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And it makes sense that would be our default as people think about it. Anywhere that you've ever tried to fit in, whatever that culture of people was, that you were like, I want to be with those people. These are going to be my people. There's, there's a sense that we're, we're, we're kind of required to perform at some level, right? You've got to say the right things, do the right things, dress a certain way, right? In the world, that's just how it works. So, of course, our mind would begin to go, well, that's got to be how it is with Jesus, like, I've got to do all the right things and look the right way and dress the part and, and talk the part, right? This is, this is how I will perform for him so that I'm accepted by him. And yet the gospel is this idea that Jesus has performed everything on our part and we were fully accepted in him. And so all of a sudden I begin to go, man, I've been working for an identity 
that Jesus has already given me. And you may be in this room living that same life. And can I tell you, that's a weighty, legalistic, moralistic religion that Christ actually came to set you free from. Like my prayer this morning has been, as we talk about abiding in Jesus and that our lives would produce fruit, that you'd literally go, man, there's a lot to be done, but it actually takes away weight to think about it correctly. And so to think correctly is this idea then not to work for an identity, but rather to work from an identity. And what does that mean? What, what that means is this, and this, this hit me at 20, I don't know, it was 25 or 26, and it just wrecked shop in my life. All of a sudden, what I realized was, man, regardless of how I perform as a Christian, my standing with Jesus was unshakable and unchangeable because Jesus had already performed in my stead. Right, like on my best day, on my worst day, it didn't matter. My standing with the Father was that I see you and I call you well pleased, my good and faithful servant, because of what Christ had done. And it blew my mind to the point where I was like, well then, why do we follow the Bible? Like, what's the point of trying to do good stuff? Like, literally, I'm going, hold on, I've been living my life almost in fear. Fear of the Lord being upset with me if I didn't follow him correctly. And now all of a sudden you're going, wait, so he's pleased with me no matter what because of Christ? And how do I, how do I live my life now? <laughs> like, why would I want to know the word? Why would I want to live sacrificially and generous with my life and all of these things we talk about? And here's what I found. There's two things. One, what began to finally just burn in me was less fear and a lot more love. Like all of a sudden this love that Christ had lavished on me, I began to go, oh my gosh, like that's stirring me up to want to love him more. There's something special about the fact when you don't fear God in, 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 an, in an unbiblical sense and you begin to go, man, he's lavished love on me, that stirs up love in us. And then all of a sudden I went from going, man, I'm going to try to do all these things so that he's not displeased to going, man, because he is pleased in me because of Jesus, I want to honor him. I want to glorify him. I want to live my life for him because he loves me in spite of me. This is an amazing thing that just completely transformed my life. And then what I also found is this. Anything that Jesus is going to command us to do, anything that he's going to ask you to sacrifice, any place that he's going to call you to go is going to be for his glory and also for our joy, like the more that I gave my life away for Jesus, the more I found joy. It was crazy, like I'd spent my life trying to hoard my life, and then as I began to give it away for Christ, it's like, oh my gosh, this is actually what I was looking for. Like I'm finding joy and peace, this, this full life that Jesus talked about, and I want us to look for a moment at this abide scripture, because he tells us these exact things in this scripture, whether you saw it or not. Look at this, verse three, if you look at verse three, he says, you are already clean by my word. Man, I've been praying for you guys this morning because I believe that there's probably some people in this room today that you need to remind yourself that if you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he starts this whole thing off this morning and go, you are already clean because of the cross. That needs to set in on some of us. Because some of you are carrying guilt and shame and weight and the Lord's going, man, I've already made you clean. Walk in that cleanness. Walk from an identity, not for an identity. So the first he says, hey, look, verse three, I've already made you clean. Verse six, here's what he says. He says, if you're not producing fruit, if you're not a part of him, you're like a branch that's withering up and dying. Literally, he's going, hey, listen, to abide in me, to produce fruit is literally where you're going to find life. Everything that you're trying to cling to and hold to and gather up so that you might have a good life, it's actually gonna be found in abiding in me and producing fruit for my glory. 
Verse 80 says, the Father is glorified. When you produce fruit, when I produce fruit, when we abide in Jesus, the, the, the king of the universe, the one that spoke all things into being, this, this guy this, this, this God that we're singing about that's saying, hey, you put the breath in my lungs. He is glorified with your life when you abide and produce fruit. And as you're working from an identity in Jesus, all of a sudden you go, I want to bring you glory and honor. I want to love you greatly. I want to make your name known. And then he continues on in verse, verse 9. It says this. It was his love that would produce the desire to abide and produce fruit in the first place. Jesus is going, hey, look, I've loved you like the Father has loved me. This love is what draws you into this whole thing. This love is the reason you want to just connect with me at every level possible because I am going to allow you to produce fruit for my glory. And it's going to bring the Father glory. And then lastly, verse 11, he says, my joy will be in you and your joy will be made full. I just wonder this morning in your own life, do you go, man, I want my life to be full of abundant joy. And Jesus says, do you want abundant joy? It can only be found in abiding in me and producing fruit. Now listen, I start with this. This isn't even the message this morning. This is the intro, <laughs> okay? But I start with this because here's the reality, right? Like if we're, if we're gonna take this look at, hey, what does it look like to abide in Jesus and produce fruit? These are gonna be works to be done, things to do, practical ways in which to do this. If you're not careful, if I'm not careful, our default's gonna be I wanna work for identity. And you're gonna hear some things today and you're gonna go, okay, there's... Matt just told me again the five different ways I'm a horrible Christian and need to get it right and make God happy. And so I'm going to take this on my shoulders and I'm going to try to do better, God, and I'm going to do the things he talked about. And I'm going to tell you it's going to be weighty and burdensome and probably more than likely the Father is not even going to be glorified with it because you're working for something he's already given you. But this morning, if we can work from our identity in Jesus, if it can really sink into your heart and your soul who Christ has called you and made you because of his work at Calvary, the Bible promises that we're gonna actually leave today with things that are gonna be sacrificial, that are gonna cost us, it's gonna be work to be done, and yet we're gonna walk out the door with more joy and less burden. That doesn't even make sense. Only God can do that, right? To go, here's more things to do, and it's gonna give you joy and less burden to do them. That's amazing to me. And that's why I wanna start here so that we have the right lenses as we look at this idea of abiding. Now, last week, if you weren't here, uh, Brent began this idea of abiding. He gave us three categories that really we could go, okay, here's, how, here's some practical ways to abide in Jesus. And the first was this. He said we can trust God with our time. And he kind of broke it into three categories. He said, one, if we're going to trust God with our time, then that means we're going to pursue him in the word. We're going to pursue him in prayer. And we're going to pursue him in community. We can trust God with our time. I went to Brent before he preached, and here's kind of my, my prayer for myself, my prayer for us as a church, as we look at this new year. What I want us to get to is a place that we trust God so much, we see this gospel so clearly that we're going, hey, all of my stuff, all of me, all of my resources, all of my gifts, I'm giving that to you this year. Like, how, how amazing would it be if a group of people in a, in a community said, hey, we're going to just go all in. Everything, Lord. I see your love. I see your goodness. I trust you with everything. So I'm going all in. You can have everything of me. I, I'm just, my yes is on the table. Whatever it is, I'm in. That's my hope for us. 
And so it's going to begin with our time saying, hey, we're going, to, we're, going to, we're going to set aside a time and systematically go to the word. And we're going to go, man, I want to glean truth from you so that I might understand the gospel. So that I might not live my life trying to work for something when your Bible's going over and over. I've already given that to you. That we'd work from an identity. We're going to, we're going to go in prayer because God hears the prayers of his people and he, and he responds like, what would it look like if we go systematically? I'm setting up rhythms in my life to come to the Lord in prayer and petition because I know he answers. And then community. Look, community is so vital. It's hard. It's messy. It doesn't always go well, but it's so vital and it's so good. And so here's the reality. There's a few ways to jump into community here. The, the, over the last several months, we have new people walk through the door every week right now, okay? Some of you guys have been with us since last February, and you're like, I feel finally kind of like I'm a part of this. Some of y'all have been here for six months or six weeks or six days. I don't know. And so I want to tell you, look, how do you get plugged in then practically? Our, our biggest way is community groups, okay? Look, one of the discussions we've had, Brent and I, this week going, okay, as we grow, and more and more people come. We've got, to, we've got to create avenues for community. And so we're trying to launch new community groups all the time. Because we want you to come in and we want you to find a place to connect. Because here's the deal, guys. When you've got these places where you want people to rejoice with you like no other. Or when you're having surgery or the bottom falls out and you're in crisis mode. Or you have a baby or whatever it is. Look, I, I'm excited about that as your pastor. I want to be a part of that at some level, but the reality is me, Brent, and Austin can't be a part of every single one of those moments in your life. We just can't. We won't. And so what we want to do is go, oh, we want to get you a group of people that will be a part of that with you to celebrate, to take care of you when you're struggling, to visit you when you're in the hospital, all these things, because that's what we are. We're a community of believers. There's nothing special about me coming to visit you. Like, I love you. I want to be there. I want to be your friend. But I'm not bringing some extra special spirit of God with me. Like, that's us. We're the church. We do this together. And so we want to invite you into community groups. If you're not in a community group, here's what I would say. Go to our website. Go to the hub. If you want to know anything about our church, just go to the hub. And then you just scroll. And it's all there. Click community groups. And there's a little thing that says, I want to know more. You don't even have to sign up. We can just give you some more information to start thinking about, hey, how do I get plugged in? Another place to serve or, or another place to grow in community is through service here. Look, man, at 6 a.m., one, it was not as cold as it is right now, this morning, but as I, I, hard as it is sometimes to roll out of bed and go, okay, I'm going to preach two services and do all this stuff, but also I'm going to come and set this church up, there's a part of it that I love because there's a group of men and, and, and a few ladies sometimes that we come up here and there's just community. Right? There's community found in serving. And so here's what I realized, man. There's a lot of you guys that have come in the door over the last several months and gone, hey, I'd like to serve. I'd like to plug in. I'd like to find community. I don't even know where to start. And so, again, I, here's what I would say. My email is matt at ws.church, wellspringws.church. What I would ask you to do if, is if there's a place you're going, I want to serve, but I don't even know where to begin, you email me and you just go, here's my name, I want to serve, and I'll follow up personally this week because I want you guys to find community. And so we had time and this idea of the word and prayer and community, and then he talked about our talents, our giftings, like what we have to offer that we could trust him with that. And then lastly, he talked about our resources, that all the things we have, everything you own, everything in your garage, everything in your home, everything in your bank account is the Lord's. And we're going, I'm going to trust you with this and use this for the glory of God. And as he went through all of that, 
I got to the end and I was like, man, really what we're talking about is just this idea of loving God with all that we are. Everything we have and all that we are, we want to love God. And really that's our mission as a church. Our mission statement, I think we have it up here, is this. Love God with all that we are while making disciples that make disciples. This is our mission as a church. Is that we want to abide in Jesus. We want to be moved by his love. And we want to go all in and say, it's all yours. It's all for you. It's all from you. I'm going to live and work from your identity for your glory and my joy. This was birthed out of Matthew 22, 37 through 40. That says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Man, here's what abiding is. Simple. Ready? Like if you you can take this little snippet, take it home, live this out. I'm telling you to be for the glory of God and for your joy. Abiding in Jesus is that we're going to, we're just with all that we have, going to learn to love him, to know him, to walk with him, to be obedient. And then we're going to steward everything that he's given us, all of our time, energy, resources, relationships, giftings, talents, all of it. We're stewarding that on this mission that the world might know who he is through our lives. That's it. This is abiding in Jesus. And so this morning, as I, I want us to look at a quick parable that Jesus spoke talking to the disciples about this. So that was the intro. Now we're into the actual sermon. Uh, so let's jump into Matthew 25 because I want us to look at this as we think about what does it mean to give him everything, to steward everything for his glory. Matthew 25 verse 14. So here's what Jesus has done. He's about to go to the cross. He's been trying to teach his disciples what the kingdom of God is like. And he begins with this parable about these ten verges, and the, the, the long and short of it is he was like, hey, look, I'm going to leave, but I'm coming back, so stay ready. Like, stay focused, stay ready, be looking. And then he jumps into this parable that probably a lot of you guys have heard so many times before, but I hope we can see some new things, and we can leave working from our identity in Christ for his glory. He goes into this parable of the talents, not talent like I've got gifts, but talents is in a weight, okay? This is, so what he's going to talk about is these, these, um, these servants that receive these talents, this weight of money from the master who's coming back one day. And he's going to teach us some things of what it looks like to abide in him with everything. Verse, chapter 25, verse 14, it starts with this. For it, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. For the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. And so here's where we start. It's this picture that Jesus is going, hey, there's this master. He's literally going to entrust to you to steward his resources. And he hands to one guy this big bag of five talents, whatever that weighs. We don't know what coins it was, but it's this big five-talent bag of coins. And he goes, boom, that's yours. Here's two talents for you, and here's one talent bag for you. Now you go, and I've given these according to your ability. You go and steward those until I get back. And so here's what it says. You've got two that know the master, that love the master, that I believe are working from an identity, not for an identity. And the other is working for an identity. Look at this. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. 
But the one who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made you five talents more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. 25, here's the motive. So I was afraid. Everything he did was out of fear. I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast away. And he cast the worthless servant into outer darkness and the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now here's the deal. In our remaining time, I want to quickly look at what was that about? Like what just went on right there? And then I want to give us some very practical ways, um, just some application and, and some principles that are presented here that I think will help us. So here's the first thing we see, right? You get this guy and he's allotted, um, his, his, he's invested his things into his servants. Now, now what we're seeing is Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that, hey, I'm about to go away. And I'm going to entrust to you uh, what is mine. And so I want you to be watchful and I want you to live faithfully while I'm gone because I will return. And, and I think even in my own study this week, here's something that just completely jumped out to me that I was like, this is pretty amazing. The God who created everything, Jesus who owns everything, literally entrusts to you and I his stuff, his his stuff, and he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deposit this in you while I'm gone for you to steward for my glory. That's pretty amazing if you really think about that, that, that the king of the universe goes, hey, I've saved you, I've called you worthy, and now I'm going to deposit in you giftings and talents and time and resources and money, and I want you to steward it for my glory until I return. That's weighty, but if we're working from our identity, it's pretty beautiful, and so here we have this parable about faithful servants who are willingly stewarding the master's resources for the kingdom of God. Now here's the principles. Are you ready? I want to give us about five principles this morning. The first is this. Each is allotted a different amount according to their giftedness or according to who they are. I, I think sometimes <laughs> what we do is we go, okay, look, I, I don't have much to give. I don't have much giftings. I don't have much resources. I don't have much money. I see these other people and what they're doing. What is, what is mine going to make a difference? Like, is this really going to impact anybody, what I've got to offer? 
I mean, even in this church, right, two years of seeing people be generous with their, with their finances to go, hey, we believe that there's going to be a church in China Spring, and we want to pour out our resources so that you and I can sit here and hear about Jesus and live on mission and tell people the gospel and to see the kingdom go forth and to have our kids know who Christ is and students know who Christ is. Like, people saw that and said, hey, we're, we're, we're going to go all in on that. And I look at that, and I'll, I'll be really straightforward with you. There's been things, there's been gifts to our church come where I'm like, I've never even owned that much money at one time. Like, what is, we've got this land. Like, what is my $50 a month to this land really going to help when you got people doing these huge things? And, and what the principle that, that the Lord is trying to teach you and I is this, is, hey, each person had different talents, right? The weighty talents. You got one dude with a bunch, one dude with a medium amount and one dude with not very much. And what God is requiring of us is not equal, equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Where we're going, hey, with all that I have, I'm going all in with the little bit you've given me or the lot you've given me or the very little small part. I'm going all in with this. It's yours. And, and I, here's what I think. I think sometimes we, we negate what God is trying to do in us because we go, what I've got doesn't matter. It won't make a difference. And so we sideline ourselves. Like, I think, I think sometimes we come and we look at, like, Austin Crosby, right? He's up here. Sometimes he's kicking the kick drum, playing the guitar, singing. Then he goes to the keys. And really what we don't understand is, like, the, really the only difference between Austin and you and I is that he has talent. And we don't. Like, that's literally it. <laughs> but, but that's how we think, right? We're like, well, I can't do that. What, what, what can I offer? That dude's kicking the drum and singing, and that's beautiful. I, I don't have anything. And the Lord's going, no, 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 no. Like I've entrusted and deposited to you gifts and resources and finances and time and, and relationships. And I just want you to go all in with whatever you have to steward. That's what he's asking. But sometimes we go, I mean, mine just doesn't matter. And I'm telling you, that's a lie from the enemy. The next principle is this. Faithfulness with our talents produces greater opportunity to utilize them. I believe some of you have some incredible giftings that are kind of in like infant stage. And you go, man, I don't have much to offer. I don't have much to give or whatever it is. And so you go, I'm just not going to do it. And, and what the Lord is trying to do in you is some amazing stuff to grow you up in some areas, to use you for his glory. And you go, man, I'm just not going to do it because I don't have enough to offer. And you literally negate the gift of God that he has given you. that He's wanting to do great and mighty things through you. And so I want us to be careful because what he does is as he gives us opportunity, he grows them. He said that in John, right? The one who produced fruit, what? He prunes that person, which isn't always fun, and then he produces more fruit in them. There, there's a principle at stake here where the Lord's going, I've gifted you, I've, given, and I've entrusted to you resources and time and all the things. If you just begin to use those with baby steps, I'm going to grow you up in that for great and mighty things for the glory of God. That's what he wants to do in you and in me. The next is this, faithfulness with our talents produces joy. Man, I, I want to share with you like some insight into my life. And, and look, we've been a church for almost a year now. I've purposely not talked about money very many times because I get it. Like there's this distrust with churches and money and all the things. But man, our money is God's. So today's the day we're going to talk about money. This is your first time here. You're like, see, they always talk about money. But we're going to talk about it today, okay? Look, man, I was 18. I started working at the church. I was making $110 a week. I was balling at 18. Uh, 
and Brent was in his young 30s. I was an 18-year-old, and he came to me. No one really taught me what it meant to tithe. And he came. He's like, bro, do you tithe your money? He's like, no, I don't even really know what the, what the purpose of that is. And so he challenged me, hey, I want you to begin to tithe your money. And so it was. It was like $12 a week, which is a big deal back then that I could actually almost fill my truck up with gas back then. But anyway, so $12, right, every week going, hey, this is the Lord's that he's given me. And some of us go, well, I, I earn money because of my giftings and because of my hard work. And I'm going, man, the Lord's given you that. And so all my stuff, Brent's trying to teach me, hey, everything I own is his. And I'm going to hold it open-handedly. And with humility, I'm going to support the local church because he's called me to that. Because it's going to go forth and it's going to preach the gospel and it's going to mobilize people. And we're going to be a part of something beautiful in the church. And so I start doing that as an 18-year-old. And you know what? Just honestly, that came pretty easy for me. And as I got a real job and my first paycheck, praise God, like once I got a real paycheck, I was like, okay, that's a different amount going out right here, but I've been doing it. And I saw the faithfulness of God. And then I get married and my wife's making, she's a nurse at the time, making way more than me as a school teacher. And I'm like, all right, now literally this is like, we could have a different house. We could drive different cars, but we're going to give this to the Lord because it's his and because he's been faithful. And what I found in me is that, that began to produce joy as I systematically gave of my things. But I want to be real with you guys, man. Tithing became easy for me. It's just been easy for all these years. But what was not easy for me was like generous living. We didn't grow up with much, didn't have a lot of money. And so most of my 20s was like I'm gathering up stuff I always wanted. And so I wanted to give the Lord, hey, this 10% is yours, but to go above, like, man, I'll, I'll be generous with my time, my giftings, my, my, my home, my stuff, it's all yours. But to like to give generously above that was really difficult for me. And can I tell you that in the last few years, um, seeing what God has done through other people financially for us in this church plant, and seeing what it accomplishes when people go, hey, I'm going to be generous with my resources. Uh, I have been completely uh, convicted and transformed, hopefully, to where, like, honestly, I'm like, man, okay, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have the five talents. I've got the one talent, but I'm going to be more generous with that one talent. And as I've, as I've invested in other people and other resources and other church planters and gone, all right, we're going to sacrifice some more for the sake of other people. I'm going to give more to the land because, man, I want to see the kingdom go up. One day when I'm dead, I want there to be a church there and the gospel going out in China Spring. As I've done that, one, I've never gone without. And two, I've received so much more joy giving away rather than keeping. It's been crazy. And so I want to encourage you guys in that. But God is calling us into deeper waters. And it's with our time and it's with our energy and it is with our resources and our money. But there's joy to be had in that. And then lastly, the last principle this morning. Fear got in the way of service. You got this last servant who, who says all these things about the servant. You'd almost go, man, he knows, or who said all these things about the master. You'd almost go, he knows the master better than the other two. But the reality was the other two knew the master well. And they wanted to honor him and please him with what he had entrusted to them. You got this other guy walking in fear. So what does he do? He buries his money in the ground. And I still know old people literally got hundreds of thousands of dollars buried underneath their barns in their backyard. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess conspiracy theory, the end of the world, all those things. But it's a safe thing to do. Right there, the reality is I'll put money in my little thing, I'll bury it, no one else knows it, and I'm going to bring it back. This was actually not like a, a dumb thing to do for this guy. 
But out of fear, he goes, I'm just going to put it here. That way there's no risk. It doesn't cost me anything. I'll have it when he returns, and I'll be able to hand it back to him. And Jesus goes, man, you wicked and slothful servant. I entrust this to you, and then you literally bury it up. Like I think about a city on a hill, or, 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 or you don't light a candle and put it under a basket, right? So the idea that he goes, man, I poured out so much into you as my children. Don't, don't bury that in the ground. Don't be lazy with that. And so here we have this fear that is, you've got a guy working for an identity, not from. And listen, I think those same things hit us as believers. I think you look at some of this and you may have this thought like, Okay, well, what if I use my giftings for God? What if I step out and I try to do something for the Lord and I fail at it? What then? What if I fail? I mean, I love, I was sitting with uh, the pastor of my last church who's kind of my mentor and coach in planting, and I, I felt those feelings. Like before I came here, I sat with him one day, and I knew they were about to invest $100,000 plus into us. And I sat with him and was like, Ron, dude, like, what if I get down there, nobody comes, in two years we shut the door and I come back to Flower Mound as a failure. And here's what he said to me, and it, it, it is just a beautiful moment. <laughs> he said, Matt, the only failure is disobedience to God. He was like, success is faithfulness. The only failure is disobedience to God. Like there's going to be moments where God's going to come and he's going to say, hey, I want, I want to use you in a certain way. And we may go, man, what if I fell? And what we don't realize is the only failure is disobedience. Everything else is up to the Lord as we walk faithfully. I, I think sometimes we hear things about money and we go, dude, you don't understand. I can literally barely pay the bills right now. Right? I, like if I give anything else, we're, we're eating ramen noodles. And, and here's what I would say. One, I'd just say, hey, what does it look like to start small? Okay, to go, all right, God, I'm going to trust you with this, um, and, and, and I'm going to trust that you will provide because he promises that. Here's, here's man, I'm telling on myself. Uh, we were probably 26, 27. Uh, Katie and I married. Christmas is coming up November. We just overspent. I'm going to be real. Like, we got our credit card, and we bought a lot of stuff. Amazon didn't even exist back then, so we, I don't even know. I guess we went to Walmart. I don't know. But we spent way too much money, and Christmas is coming, and I'm like, dude, we, like, sinfully spent our money this month way above our means, and now we have no money to pay for Christmas. But we are faithful to our tithe. And what I've found, this, tithe, this is like one small story of God's faithfulness with finances in my life. I'm going, man, how are we going to pay for, for Christmas? We spent way too much. No lie. We go out to the mailbox like December the 5th, and there's an envelope in there with a check. And it's Katie's job that she had already quit like four months ago. And they're like, hey, we found a paycheck that's been sitting in a folder for four years that we just never gave you. Here you go. Literally a whole paycheck just comes in. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. And I tell you that story just to tell you, look, man, you cannot outgive the Lord. He will sustain you and provide for you. The, look, man, I hope, I hope that you would trust our church. Like, we, we do. We want to see the gospel go forth. We do want to build a building. We do want more staff, and we want to be able to do more things and all this stuff. So, yes, I hope you would see that and go, hey, we want to we give towards that. But more than that, God's going, hey, I just want you to see how I care for you. I want you to see my faithfulness. I want you to walk in joy with your resources and your money. Let me show you how to do this. That's what he's inviting us into. Some of y'all hear community and you go, man, if I open up my house or I go into some people's home and they really get to know me, like what if I'm rejected? Like what if they just don't like me? 
That's kind of scary at times, right? And we go, what if, and what if, and what if, and all these things add up, and the Lord's going, hey, listen, all of this is for your good, and I will sustain you, and I will take care of you, and I will use you to do more than you could think, imagine, or ask. You just got to trust. You've got to abide. I want you to walk from an identity, not for an identity, and watch what I can do in your life, and look at the joy that I will enter you into. He says that to all these guys that did right. You had two guys that entered into joy and one that entered into death. Two guys working from an identity that do everything they can for the, for the master. He comes back and he goes, man, you've done so good. I'm going to literally entrust you with more. Enter into the joy of your master. And you got one working for an identity out of fear that just goes, hey, I'm going to bury this. I'm going to try to do my part. I don't want the dude to get mad at me. And he goes, man, you're wicked and slothful. I'm taking away what was yours and giving it to someone else. And that same principle Jesus is trying to teach you and I. That man, if we would abide and we would produce fruit, he will entrust more and more to you. He will do more and more than you could think or imagine. And you will walk in glory for God and joy of life. That is the hope. And so this morning, here's, here's my prayer. There's really like three responses in my mind. The first is this. If you don't know Jesus, the Bible's clear, man. You've got to be grafted in as a branch into the vine to produce fruit. And he was very clear that those branches that are not grafted in are going to wither up and die and be burned. And Jesus' invitation is to say, hey, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come be with me and find hope and life and joy and a future. And so our first, our first step is this. If you don't know Christ, he's, going, he's inviting you into that. Confess your sin, believe on him as Lord and Savior and trust to him. And the Bible says you will be grafted in. And then for those of us that say, hey, I am a believer, here's what I want to ask you. There's just a couple things. The first is this. Have you been operating from your identity or for your identity? That's going to be huge, church. You're going to leave here with more burden if you're walking for an identity. And so if, you're, if you are operating from an identity, praise God. If you're not, begin to pray, God, with my identity in you, just would you help me to understand it and rest in it? Let me rest in the fact that I am made clean by Jesus. And then here's what I would just say. Look, some of y'all are extremely generous. Our church has been overly blessed by your service, by the way you've stewarded your resources and your money. Like, it's, it, it's phenomenal what God is doing in and through you. But some of us may go, hey, that's my area of weakness. Some of us may, hey, hey my time and my energy is my area of weakness, Hey, my giftings is my area of weakness. I want to steward these for the glory of God. I don't know what that is, but here's what I'd ask you to pray as we worship together for a little bit longer. Is, Lord, what areas have I not surrendered over to you? I, I want to give you everything. I want to trust you. I want to abide in you, and I want my life to produce fruit for your glory, and I do want to walk in joy. If you would pray that prayer today, I promise God will begin to work some things out in you. And so I'm going to invite Austin and Julie up to, to worship with us. I'm going to pray, and we're just going to respond in that way. So let me pray for us this morning. God, we do. We thank you, uh, one, that you have saved us, that you have grafted us in, that you do give us life. And then, Lord, that you have entrusted to us so much. Whether we have five or two or one, it, you've given us more than we deserve. And so, God, I pray for us as a people this morning that our lives would be about you. Some of us cling so tightly to things and the fear motivates most of what we do in our walk with you. And God, I pray for freedom today. 
I pray that our identity would be found in you and that we would work from our identity for your glory and our joy. And so God, I pray that we would be bold enough in this few moments just to pray a prayer for you to show us the areas that we're still holding on to. God, I pray you'd give us some practical steps of ways to use our gifts, to use our time, to use our resources. And God, then help us just by the power of your spirit to have the obedience to follow you and trust you with that. I pray that today that there are some heavy yokes that are laid down and people leave here with more joy and more freedom and an easier yoke because of you, Jesus. So you do what only you can do in this time. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.